All right, well, we are continuing our, our vision series. So it's September. It's a good time to reconnect with what in the world are we doing here? Why does Good Hope Church exist? What are we attempting to accomplish for the Lord? And in order to uh, understand that, I've been asking my quasi-offensive, or making my quasi-offensive statement, and uh, I don't think it's real offensive, but if I don't finish the sentence, it might be. Here's my quasi-offensive statement. I don't think people need to be told about Jesus. I think they need to be shown. I don't think people in Cloquet need to be told about Jesus. I think they need to be shown. I think it needs to be demonstrated. I think they need to see what it means for a life to be changed. They need to see what it means for someone to walk with God. They need to see what it means for a group of people to come together in community and follow Christ together, lifting one another up, encouraging each other, and getting through it. Amen? So you see what I'm saying? I don't think people need to hear. They need to be shown. Who's going to show them? They're going to get that on TV? As a, they're going to get that at school? Who's going to show them? Man, if, if the church people, if the Christian people don't show them, who's going to show them? Do you think there have been people who have lived in the United States and not seen? They've heard, but they haven't seen. That's tragic. Do you want to show them? Let's show them. Huh? Let's come together. Let's show them. And here's how we describe that with our vision statement. What does it mean to show them? It means that we put into practice the vision statement, which is reach up, rise up, reach out. So, oh, my wife's maybe not. Oh, there she is. Um, don't tell her, but I got hand motions just to help you remember. She's like, that's belittling. I don't like doing hand motions. I'm embarrassed by you making us do that. Okay, well, if it really bothers you, get over it? Is that? <laughs> I, I'm safe for the next half hour. <laughs> safe. Yeah. Yeah, I might preach till two or three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do some hand motions. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, reach up, rise up, and reach out. Amen. If God's people did that, if they reached up to the living God, of course, you do that for the first time. If you're separated from God, you can reach up to the Lord for forgiveness and inclusion in the kingdom of God. Brings you in like that. But it, it's not done. As you walk with God, you need to continue to reach up in worship, in prayer, build that relationship with the living God. Rise up. If you have made a connection with God, your life will change. You will come up into something different than you started from. And then reach out. We're not to connect with God so that we can have wonderful little experiences and keep it to ourselves. We are to share the truth of God, the new life in Christ with our world. 
whatever that whatever that world may be, our our world of the the contacts and friends that we have, and then the big world. You know, we can we can touch people in Albania, we can touch people in Jamaica, we can make a difference all across this world in in one way or another. Where does this all start? Reach up, rise up, reach out. Our compass, our plan. Where does it start? It starts with Mark chapter 12, the greatest commandment. I am so thankful that somebody asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? Because I can't think of too many things at one time. And I need some clear direction. And Jesus answers that question. And it's just so helpful. So let's look at this. Mark 12, starting in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So if we are God's people and we're not to just tell people about Jesus, but show them, what are we supposed to show them? Show them people who love God with all their heart, all their strength, all their mind, all their soul. What if people saw that? Wow, that group of people, they are just in love with God. What does it mean to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? What does that mean? Last week we talked about love languages. Gary Chapman's got this book called Five Love Languages. How many people are familiar with the Five Love Languages book? Help me out, help me out. All right, all right. Very good. I'm just going to go through it real quick. So anyway, you can express love and receive love in different ways. For some people, uh, like how I grew up was all about acts of service. If you wanted to show love to somebody, you did something for them. You know, you baked them cookies or you mowed the lawn or or you helped with the project or whatever it was. Um, and I was very comfortable with that type of showing and receiving love. And then I, I got married. And uh, in her family, they said things like, I love you to each other out loud. And they hung out together and spent time together. And they it was like... I didn't know how to do that. You know, I mean, I was good at mowing the lawn and fixing whatever needed to be fixed, unless it was mechanical, then it breaking whatever needed to be fixed and then taking it in to get it fixed the rest of the way. But we, we had a disconnect because I was expressing love in a way she couldn't receive and she was expressing love in a way I couldn't receive. She always thought buying a, a present would be a nice thing to do. You know, you get a gift. 
And so she would buy me something and I'd say, we don't have the money for that. What are you wasting money on this for? And see how it's a disconnect. She's thinking in her heart, how can I do something nice for my husband? And I get like upset with it. That's not helpful. So we need to be speaking the same love languages. And Gary Chapman has his five love languages, which I have written down right here. Uh, Words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And so when you're trying to express love to a person, you need to know how you uh, naturally express love, but how that person receives love. You need to know how you receive love, and that person needs to know that so they can express it in the right way. What are God's love languages? If we are to love God with all of who we are, we need to know His love languages so we can express it properly. Does He care about just sleeping through a church service? Does that make, oh, oh warms His heart. No, how about, how about just trying to find the ritual that will, you know, make Him happy? We need a ritual. Like somebody come up with a good ritual. Is that gonna, is that gonna be a love language for Him? What are our God's love languages? We talked about that a little bit last week. I'm going to mention those right now. Then we'll pray for kind of the new stuff. These sort of weave together. So it's not all super new, but pretty new. Let's mention those, and then we'll talk about them some more and get into the rise up stuff. So if we want to love God, we want to reach up to Him in love. His love languages, I believe, not an exclusive list, are worship. So worshiping and honoring God. Prayer and fasting, spending time with God, giving, serving, and faith. I believe these are God's love languages. So let's pray and we'll talk about rising up this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You, Lord, that we can gather together. Help us to rise up in our service to You. Help us to get a little bit better in walking with You and serving You that Your love may be shown in this world, that Your truth may come forth, Lord, that we may be ambassadors for You and that Your light may shine. Help us to get stronger. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So, if we're going to follow the greatest commandment to love God, we need to know God's love languages. And let's talk about worship. We need to come together And we need to do this alone. You know you can worship God all by yourself. Amen. We also need to worship God when we come together. And uh, in our circles, the song service part, we call that worship. You know, now is worship too. Uh, But we tend to call the song service the worship time because it's more direct. We're just spending time just loving on God in worship. We're, We're praising God. We're honoring God. We're worshiping God in the song service. That is a love language. I would encourage you to actively try to worship God. I think in our culture, we want to get swept away into worship. Oh, it's beautiful. All right. You can worship in a terrible, terrible worship set. You know what I mean? Like the the singers can be off, the music can be terrible. You can still worship God. Because it's not about music, is it? No, that can really help. It can be challenging. Because it's distracting when everything's terrible. 
but you can still worship God. That's not what it's about. So we shouldn't need to get swept away. We should be able to actively pursue worshiping God. And if we do that together and somebody comes in here, what are they going to see? People actively loving God, worshiping God together, and they'll, they'll, something will be demonstrated to them. At youth group on Wednesday, they had a worship night, Wednesday night, and uh, Natalie, our youth worship leader, because uh, we sing two songs at youth group. Got our plan, two songs. And so Natalie said to me, hey, Pastor Mike, can we sing three songs at youth group? And I said, no, we can't sing three songs. And she's like, oh, why, 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 why can't we sing three songs? And I'm like, well, we had two songs worth of kids poking each other and goofing around. We're not going to sing three songs and have kids poking each other and goofing around. But if they'll worship and truly worship God for two songs, we'll do three, but make them earn it. Amen? Make them earn it. So how, how many songs did we do on Wednesday? Like ten? Seven? <laughs> But, hey now, I told her this Sunday or this Wednesday too, you know. <laughs> but I tell you what, worship happened. It was about fifty minutes. It was a it was a long worship set, and they worshiped God. Thirty nine kids worshiping God, and you could feel it in the room. You know what I mean? They did it. They're making progress. And I tell you what, if if the notoriously distractible youth group can spend 50 minutes worshiping God, and I think one kid went to the bathroom. Because I'm like, you know, that's one of my, like, how do I evaluate whether or not worship is happening? How many people are going to the bathroom? If, if half the people go to the bathroom, it's not worship. That's just, it just isn't. But if everybody's here and the presence of God is here and people are focused and we're together, then you don't need to go to the bathroom. You're going to stay there. And it happened. Worship happened. I was excited about that. They can do it. So can we. All right. October is prayer and fasting month. I believe prayer is a love language for God. If we take some time and pray each day, talk to the Lord on our own, that's a love language. He wants to be he wants to be contacted. He wants to hear from us. It's like calling your mom on the phone. Hey, mom, how's it going? Just checking up. When we pray, it's a love language for him. We're going to do that October, praying fast. Do it on your own every day. Just check in. Pray. It's a love language. Giving. Giving and service, I think, go together pretty well. You know, giving financially uh, is something that that God receives when we do it with the right heart. God loves a cheerful giver. It's a love language for Him. And service is a love language. Did you know when you help somebody, Jesus takes it personally? Jesus said... At the end of all this business, when this stuff's all over, there's going to be a group of people and Jesus is going to thank them 
and say, hey, thanks for helping me when I had that flat tire. Appreciate it. And they'll say, what? When exactly did you have a flat tire? How does that work? And Jesus will say, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. He takes it personally when you help somebody, when you serve somebody. He takes it personally. But I think God's primary love language, his the fundamental love language that He has is faith. Our God loves when we have faith in Him. And let me explain what I mean by faith. And all the other definitions you've heard of it are probably fine too, but I'm just coming at a different angle. Uh, no matter what's going on, we know God is good and He's on our side. No matter what's going on, we know He's got a plan and He'll get us through. No matter what our situation is, we know we have a friend in the living God who will see us through. We have faith in Him. We trust in Him. We know He's got it handled even if I don't. That's faith. We can grab hold of that. He loves that. When, and He knows what we're feeling. He knows the emotions that are going on. He knows the fears and the insecurities that we've got. And so when we look at a situation and we go, wow, but my God is bigger. He's like, yeah. He loves that. Faith is God's primary love language. So let's live a life of faith. Amen? Let's stand in faith. Let's walk in faith. Let's move forward in faith. So rising up naturally happens when we love God. It puts our life on a different course. Because if we are on the course of faith, we are on a different course than the course of fear will bring us to. If fear makes your decisions, you're going to go down a particular road. If faith makes your decisions, you're going to go down a different road. You're going to walk a different path in this life. Let's walk the path of faith. Following Christ, important concept alert, following Christ is not about feeling better about your junky life. It's about breaking free from the things that are holding you down and living a new life. Living a life of victory, overcoming, getting out of that stuff. Now, He'll give you peace in the storm, amen? But it's not about staying in the storm, it's about getting out of it. People don't need to hear about how God provides. They need to see people provided for. They don't need to hear how God delivers us from addiction. They need to see people who are delivered from addiction. They don't need to hear about how, well, if we're all believers, we should forgive each other. They need to see believers forgiving each other and walking together stronger than ever. They need to see that. They need to see the new life. Two aspects of rising up. We rise up like the video, out of the first picture, out of the junk that's holding us down. 
We have to get out of that into the second picture. Who we were meant to be. Who we were created to be. Each one of us, we are not accidents. I don't know if anybody's told you that. You're not an accident, neither am I. God has a plan for me. God's got a plan for you. That doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. You've got to access that plan. You've got to live in that plan. You've got to get there. Because this world will knock you down. Sin will knock you down. All kinds of things will get you off track. You've got to get free from those things so that you can live the life God has called you to live. All right, you ready for some fun? We're going to talk about planks. It's hard to rise up when you got a plank stuck in your eye. <laughs> let's go to Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Let's talk about planks. You want to know the good news about planks? Yeah, they can be taken out, exactly. And, you know, it's so nice to get rid of them. It's just really a good thing. Let's talk about planks. Here's something Jesus had to say, because we've got the order, you know, reach up, rise up, reach out. That's a specific order. It's not reach out, then rise up, and then reach. It, it, we, need, we can't help other people till we've helped ourselves first. If we don't have something good to share, we're just going to end up messing that up. So here's what Jesus has to say in Luke chapter 6. 41 and 42. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, while you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's daydream for a second. What if everyone who called themselves a Christian believed in these verses? What if everyone who's, who's a follower of Christ, when they see something that could be different, they immediately think to themselves, what do I need to do differently? What, what is hindering me? And they, they took the plank out of their own eye. What if we all did that? Instead of blaming other people and saying this and that and oh no. and it, When we saw the specks out there, we actually took the plank out of our, our own eye. Just the public relations benefit that would come from that would be incredible. The body of Christ would be seen differently on a global scale if we actually believed this and went with it, had faith that, okay, I see a speck, it's time to look for planks. Jesus would be shown different across the world if we believed in this. How visible is the plank? Have you ever seen somebody with a plank in their eye? Was it easy to see? Look, it's easy to see other people's plank, right? Because the plank is obvious 
to everybody but the person who's got it in their eye. I like the way it's phrased here in Luke. When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. Fail to see. I, When I was a, a new Christian, I had a hypercritical spirit. Uh, I've, I've talked about this before, so I won't get, go into too much detail, but as a young, you know, 20-year-old new believer in Christ, I just thought the church was ridiculous. You know, I mean, like, these people are fools. And I was very angry at them for taking the Alpha and the Omega and making them into a cartoon character that no reasonable human being could believe in. And so I was just like, oh. And I had an anger and a hate in my heart. Now, is that righteous indignation? Or a plank? As a plank. Okay? Might be based on a particular truth. Do you think the church has got it all down? We're doing awesome. You know, we don't need to rise up anymore. We're pretty much there. No, we need to make some progress, right? I mean, there's a lot of potential. You know, that's the, that's the nice way to say it. We've got tremendous potential. We can do way better than we're doing right now. Oh, look at all the potential. But that's a, that's a plank. I didn't see it as my fault though. It was those people. They're messing it all up. It's their fault. So I'm walking around with a plank, really not able to be used by God because I got this attitude problem. Had to get that taken out. And hallelujah, the Lord set me free. But the planks are obvious to everybody else, but not to us. I was at a leadership training thing one time and, and they said, now make sure you admit your faults to your people. They already know. And they will be extremely relieved to realize that you also know. Yeah. So, admit your faults to your people. Right? Because the plank is obvious to everybody else. And so, if I'm pretending I got it all together, yes, my organizational skills are top notch. You know, don't criticize my organizational skills. Well, and then you, you know, well, guess what? I took the test. I'm at the bottom. What are you going to do? Okay, well, if somebody's going to organize something, it better not be me. Because then we're going to have a problem. I can do okay. I thought I was better, but I was at the bottom of the test. What are you going to do? See, I couldn't see the plank. Couldn't see the plank. I had to take the personality test. Get a zero on organization. What? What is the deal with that? The trick is, if we're blind to our own planks, we're in trouble. We've got to find them. We've got to see, right? We've got to know. We're going to end up hindered in our life. And how's that going to reflect on the Lord? Not only do we live a more miserable life than we need to because we decided we're going to keep the plank, but it's an embarrassment to the Lord because His people aren't functioning right. Let's, let's get there, huh? It benefits everybody. It benefits the believer. It benefits the unbeliever because they don't have to get whacked by people's planks all the time. And it benefits the kingdom of God. So let's see 
what some common genres of planks are. I got some plank genres. You know, like you go to Home Depot, there's different type, types of uh, boards and stuff you can buy. Get your two by four, you got your two by six, you got your plywood, you know. You got, there's And there's different types of things can be stuck in our eyes too, right? We got the uh, the first one is the fairly obvious, I think, the pride genre of planks. You know, the the that we're just walking in pride, you know, thinking everybody else is subordinate to us and, you know, just all full of ourselves. There's also the, so that's like the selfish pride, you know, wanting everything for yourself and pushing other people down. Then there's the self-centeredness, which is a little different, and that's where you think you're the center of the universe. Um, does anybody else think you're the center of the universe? No. And they all know you think you're the center of the universe. So you might, don't let your plank make you play the fool. Because everybody else sees it. You might as well just admit it and get it done with. They'll be relieved again. So there's the pride genre of planks. There's the stronghold genre of planks. The, the sin, compulsion. Some people are, uh, you know, I, I think of the stronghold genre of planks as the devil's easy button in your life. Does the devil hasn't have an easy button? You, you know, some kind of stressful thing happens and you fall into this thing again. It's the easy button. You know, you have a short temper. Okay, well then guess what? How's the enemy going to come at you then? He's got an easy button. Oh, guess what? He's going to throw a fit if I do something simple. Ha ah, ah. And the easy button gets pushed. Oh, this person is easily offended. Okay, well, push the offense button. It's the easy button. You've got the stronghold genre. You know, oh, slip into this sin because oh, life is hard and i got to have something that feels good. So you slip into that thing. That's the devil's easy button, the stronghold genre of planks. Then there's the misunderstanding genre of planks uh, that we just don't see things right. We've got the wrong mentality, the wrong understanding. I think a poverty mentality is a good example of this where you think, well, if if as a church we just never do anything, we don't spend any money, we'll probably be doing awesome, right? No, probably not. I mean, I think we need to do things. We need to we need to be aggressive in advancing the gospel, and that's going to cost some money, you know. And the coffee's free, so I mean, if we if we say okay, eight bucks for coffee, you know, hey, times are tough. You want some coffee? It's a way of giving to the Lord. Eight bucks. You know, is that going to make you feel welcome and like? You know, nah, that's not going to work, is it? The poverty mentality is a is a misunderstanding of how things work. And then there's the the whole like not trusting God genre of planks, the fear, the the crumbling, rather than standing in faith and knowing He's bigger than this. We've got those things, those different planks. So if we want to get the plank out. How are we going to do that? You know, some planks are easy and some planks are tough. You know, if if you're battling with the plank that you know you have, how do you get rid of it? Now, I'm going to give you one tool. It's just a tool. There's lots of ways the Lord can move in our lives. Well, let me give you a tool. And that tool is the statement of faith. The statement of faith. Let me give you a quick theology of the statement of faith. So there are certain statements 
that are true in the spirit, but they're not true in the natural. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're true in the heavenly realm, but they're not true here. Let's put up uh, that one, Romans 6.22. Look what it says here. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So have you been set free from sin? So you're just never going to sin again. You're good. You're completely set free. You're free. Well, that's free in the Spirit, right? I mean, we're free. There's provision for our freedom in the Spirit world. We're free. Are we walking that out on the earth? Some, some, some of it, you know. Uh... So that's something that's true for every believer. But it's false also. Right? Because it's true in the spirit, but it's false in the natural. And we want it to be more and more true in the natural. We want to be free from sin in the natural more and more and more and more all the time. But let's say you're a believer and there's a sin that has a grip on you. Are you free? You are in the Spirit, but you're not in the natural. How many Christians like that are there? If we were to put a percentage on it, probably start with a one and be three digits, right? What do you do? You're a believer. The word, word of God is true for you, but you're not walking it out. What do you do? Well, here's where the statement of faith comes in. Is we can say something that's true in the spirit and apply it to the natural. To make, to make it enforced in the natural. Do you understand that? So like, if I've been set free from sin and a temptation comes on me, you guys know what I'm talking about. What do you do? Oh no, I'm tempted. I guess I better have to do that. No, you can, you can say, I have been set free from sin. I will not look at that. I will not take that. I will not say that. I am set free from sin. That's a statement of faith. You're saying something that's true in the Spirit because you want it to be true in the natural. I am free. Because you can believe you're not. But the truth is you are free. You need to access that. You need to walk in it. Let's look at Philippians 4.13 as we're wrapping up here. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. This is the Apostle Paul. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that true? Are there some things you don't feel like you can do? Hey man, this is true in the Spirit, right? I can do all things. Now, you don't get to pick the all things. It's I can do all things that God asks me to do, right? Like, I can do all things, therefore I can fly if I just have enough faith, right? No, you can't fly. Just relax. You're just setting yourself up to get real sad that you didn't have enough faith because you couldn't learn how to fly. I can do all things. That means if God says, do this, you can do it. If God says, take the plank out of your eye, you can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means... I can believe to see the plank and I can believe to get it out because I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. It has to be true in the Spirit. You can't believe for things that aren't true in the Spirit. You've got to believe for those things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can see my planks. Wouldn't it be great if we could see and then get free? Oh man. To walk around plank free is a blessing from God. I think of who I was with my critical spirit. And I just think, hallelujah, I'm not that guy. To be plank free. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. Let's do it. Amen. I believe we're doing it. And we're going to do it more and more. We're going to see the power of God, the hand of God, people serving God, people trusting in God and being obedient to God. Let's do it. As we pray, I want us to think, how can I get 2% better at following Christ? I think sometimes, you know, we can get these grandiose things that happen. You know, if you got 2% better today, That'd be something. That'd be great. You don't need to be a thousand times better. Let's do today's work today. Take one step. How do you get 2% better? Let's ask Him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You. We know we can do all things through You. We know that You have provided forgiveness of sins. And so, if there's anybody in here who is... Uh, has not asked for that forgiveness. Father, I pray You would prompt them to come up and, and talk with the prayer team. They'll help them through that. But Lord, if there's someone who has a sin in their past that they've asked forgiveness for, but they, they, they can't feel released from it, Lord, help them to make that statement of faith. The blood of Christ is sufficient for me. I am set free from the guilt of that sin. I'm done. It does not belong to me. Let them grab hold of that. And if they need to walk through it more, bring them up. Let them come and pray. But Lord, let us see what we can do to take one step forward, to be 2% better. Lord, we can do that. We can have faith for that. We can stand strong to believe to be 2% better. Show us what that is. And Lord, for... For those who have a, a plank that's hindering them, that's keeping them from being who you created them to be, Lord, give us eyes that see, that we can see the planks in our eyes and get them out and walk free. Bless us by giving us vision so we can see and be set free. I just pray a blessing over each one in this place right now. Lord, let your peace be upon us. Let your light be in our hearts. And Lord, let your love overflow through us into the people we interact with, into our world. So bless us in that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oops, I'm sorry. Nicole has something she wants to, wants to share.